0: Welcome to Startup Confidential, what food and beverage industry players will never tell you that you need to know if you're running a startup. Let's do this. Welcome to Episode 8, How to Beat the Odds Against Your Seed Raise. I want to level with you all about something no one really honestly talks about. Strangers do not roll out of bed grab some coffee, read a pitch deck, and then write big checks to fund another stranger's business in the next few days or weeks. It just doesn't happen. I once asked a very successful serial entrepreneur about his first brand and how he obtained his initial capital. The answer? All of it, all of it, came from people he already knew. He didn't raise a dime with a pitch deck. Not one dime from a stranger. Yes, that was 20 years ago, and times were different, so why the hell am I bringing it up to you? Because the cruel reality of fundraising is that loaning money to high-risk business ventures, which is what you have in front of you in your not-very-profitable CPG business, involves a specialized version of social trust in the human species. This kind of trust is born in two ways it's born naturally from within a tightly defined pre-existing community of affluence, usually a family. Or B, it is based on evaluating you and your business performance combined with a fundamental class affinity between the investor and the unrelated founder, which opens the door to highly educated, upwardly mobile, nouveau riche founders who actually don't come from money, but are on the way to making it. I'll be honest, the second route is the one where the pitch deck matters. It actually does. And it's where the pitch deck can and does influence investors who otherwise aren't known to you. But the second route is longer than the first because the trust must be earned. Pre-existing trust among wealthy friends and family converts much, much quicker into money. It's literally about converting social capital that you already have in your hand into financial capital in your bank account. If you are not born into an affluent family, and and here think the 1%, where your uncles and your aunts are also wealthy, not just your dad, then you will be relegated to earning the trust of wealthy investors who are strangers. And that's the reality for most of you listening. And there is more angel money available today than ever before. But guess what, guys? Even the angel money tends to flow through channels of pre-existing trust first, not to you. This is why I tell people who are not from that social world that you should have at least $100,000 of your own money that you are willing to literally throw in the toilet bowl and flush while your business fails and be confident that you won't lose your house or your sanity or marriage in the process. You have to be ready for that much risk at the very least. Then you must carve out time every single week for networking, not for asking, networking. Not for pitching, networking. What can you do to earn the trust of seed investors that you're going to need when you actually do need to ask for money? Here's three ideas. It's not the exhaustive list, but the ones that I think you really should focus on. One, network and build that list of potential investors without worrying too much about how much you align with them or even how much you even know about them. Not yet. Just build a list. Then send them quarterly updates. This update idea is about chumming up with capital, giving them updates about your business. How you communicate with potential investors is going to say an enormous amount about how you run your business, at least to them, short of them sitting in your lap, which they're never going to do. Make your updates professional. It's the first way to show to your potential investor that you are worthy of their trust brand them. Make them look pretty. Show how you're meeting your KPIs. What better way to keep you accountable for growth as well than to know that you're going to be sending out quarterly updates to potential investors who you will need in the future to write you checks. This is a fantastic win-win. It keeps you accountable. It also starts a professional trust-building relationship with a potential investor. I know two folks right now who are doing this, and I think it's going to serve them very, very well. If there are struggles in your business, share those struggles carefully, share them, and how you plan to overcome them. This is a great trust-building act when you're trying to woo an investor who's essentially a stranger to your social network. Because it proves you're willing to be vulnerable and transparent in front of them, which is how a friend behaves. And you're willing to do this at the risk of potentially losing their interest. That builds even more trust investors who invest in a stranger's business want to know that they will be alerted to big problems well 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 in advance long before those problems start risking their initial investment this is simply if you're listening this is simply the habit of building a a healthy friendship and quarterly email updates are about all that a potential investor would expect from you so do them it's totally free The second thing you need to do is pick a narrower group of folks that you think are going to be more interested in your business down the line in terms of investing or have already expressed interest in you or your product, i.e. they are potential investors who have come to you as fans. That is the bullseye group. You really, really, really want to do what? You want to spend face time with those folks. How you structure that is your decision, but I would say you want a minimum of an hour of intense FaceTime every single year, and I would invest more, to be honest with you. Preferably more. And don't limit yourself to local seed investors. Yes, the rich people that exist locally who consume your product will be easier to find, but network nationally for these folks. It's one reason you go to places like Expo West is to go have a beer or coffee with them. Build those relationships and, In a moment where they are willing to talk to almost anybody with a potentially interesting idea. And that's what a trade show pretty much allows you to do. FaceTime, so important. But the most important thing that FaceTime gives you is an opportunity to inquire about your potential investors. Business, their portfolio, their criteria, their personal life. Building that honest friendship and showing that you care about them is part of your charming approach to eventually getting their money because you're showing that you have a genuinely non-business interest in them, which is how a good friendship starts, except that this is a friendship that is semi-professional that you wish to turn into a professional investment in your business. They understand this kind of courtship. They get it. They do it all the time. It's new to you, not them. So don't feel like you're screwing with people. You're not. They understand this game. So play it. Use the FaceTime to show that you care about them. You have empathy for them as an investor. And for God's sakes, don't use the FaceTime to pitch, to sell, or to beg. No. You are using that FaceTime initially to build a strong relationship. That's it. And being patient about when you ask is so important. Never ever pitch an investor during these early trust-building interactions. You're following the rules Of friendship here and those are based on a give-and-take and and showing interest in your friend and allowing space for them to show authentic interest in you which is why for the third time I'm going to tell you not to pitch them during those conversations unless they've explicitly invited you to pitch them that's a separate story but that that will be very clear to you if that's the case well in advance it is much better at the end of the day for seed raises For you to have the money in the checkbook coming to you out of the blue, saying, you know, I've been following your business. I've enjoyed our conversations over the last year. I'd like to make an investment. How can we make that happen? That's how you want your angel money to come to your bank account. You want it to come to make the move first, essentially. You do not want to be chasing it. Because when it comes to you, you will have significantly more deal leverage than if you are chasing it. And as an undercapitalized startup with not a lot of investing experience, I believe and I think you'll agree that you could use as much bloody freaking negotiating leverage as you can have in that conversation. So take it and design a process in which you are getting them to come to you. And that will ultimately help you down the line. Trust me, pun intended. What I just described is how you earn the trust of wealthy strangers. That's how it works. The third thing you should do from the very get-go is do your own research on how to negotiate deals from angel investors well ahead of time. There are financing seminars out there designed for folks new to raising money. Whipstitch Capital holds two every single year. Online materials and classes are also starting to pop up. I don't plan to create any myself, not yet. So use those resources that are available. But know that there are known angles of manipulation, founder manipulation, in the deal negotiation process that you want to know well in advance. And they are related to certain mathematical principles of the investing process. So you want to know the math. You want to know how an investor thinks about math, which is another reason to do all that FaceTime. Because if you shut up and ask them about how they invest in things, you're going to learn an enormous amount about deal making. They will essentially start playing their cards. Hallelujah. That's why you charm them well in advance. But you also do need to do your homework. You need to be natively fluent in investor language. Just deploying the right lingo, you know, casually during your FaceTime and other communications is going to diffuse many, many future attempts to manipulate you or take advantage of you. You know, if you know phrases like data room, convertible deck, cap table, and ESOP, fluently, before you begin the deal process with any investor you will again have granted thyself an enormous amount of negotiating leverage that the average founder does not have when they chase money or when the money comes a little too quickly in their direction. So I hope all this has been inspiring to the majority of you who weren't born into the right social networks and trust me, neither was I. If you do the trust building work I talk about, I guarantee you it will pay off, but it is a significant investment of your time and you can't have acid. Be safe out there. You've been listening to Startup Confidential. If you'd like more in-depth content from James, please sign up for his free monthly white papers by emailing him directly at james at Solutions.com.